You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Well, we talk a lot about car values with David Gooding and Hans Wuerl, who's a car specialist, David Gooding from Gooding and Company. Um, these guys know their business. So we get into a really in-depth look into uh, the collector car world. And uh, we're also going to talk some Monterey prep. What's coming up as well in today's show. And first, Continental OETs. You can find weird things in your car. You got the petrified French fries, uh, melted crayons, occasionally live snake, bizarre trinkets, stuff like that. Makes you wonder about folks, doesn't it? But you'll also find Continental belts. And I bet you didn't know there are OE in millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, and GM vehicles. Continental is launching their aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE Pedigree. It's their OE Technology Series, fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function for 98% of uh, vehicles on the road in U.S. and Canada. Continental OE Technology Series multi-V belt, the belt with the OE pedigree you get the full story at oe technology that's oe technology series.com oe technology series.com yeah get it on got to get on the truth get on my neck Get it on, and welcome to uh, CarCast. Matt Crowell, it's Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea over Hello. there. Well, we're uh, making our final push toward Monterey, and we'll bring in uh, David Gooding and uh, Hans Wuerl. He's con- Hans, car-, car specialist, and David's president of Gooding & Co., a big auction house, run a great operation over there, so we'll be happy to bring these guys in. You've seen these guys, if you watch car shows, you'll see them get interviewed on car shows, um, Wayne Carini and guys like that. Uh, we got the uh, Porsche. We've worked out all the suspension stuff. Uh, we gave it a final kind of nuts and bolts, kind of tightening everything and yeah. safety wiring everything. And uh, so we're getting ready to make our move. We're pretty sure that car is going to go straight. Yeah. We're getting ready <laughs> no. to make make our move out to uh, – and, out to Pebble. You know, we, we haven't mentioned was we've also got uh, a few other cars going up to Pebble to see. It's going to the Japanese Automotive Invitational. It's mm-hmm. like the Infinity booth as you're walking into Pebble, to the Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. They do a, a car show there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some cars there last year. It was fun. So this year we have the uh, Paul Newman 200SX, mm-hmm. the... Different drummer 510. Everybody's excited to see that because we've only taken it out once. Mm-hmm. To where did we take it? We took it to that uh, big car show event in Orange County. I am trying Classic to remember where thing. that car and we, went we, out. And we talked to the Kindig guys for a while and about right. their SL. No, that's right. And then uh, the third car, I think we're bringing one of the two plus two cars. <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyway, you guys can go see those if you're going to Pebble on Sunday or any time during uh, during the weekend. You'll see those over at that uh, at that event. They'll be there all weekend. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, we're excited. We're always excited, and we're we like uh, that you guys come out and you say hi. Um, nobody, it's not a hassle, and nobody's uh, put off by it. We, mm. it's quite the contrary. We like you come by, take pictures, uh, hang out, and uh, say hi. So uh, let's see. We're gonna take the big uh, Lincoln Navigator up there. Oh yeah, black the black label. Black label. Uh, that'll be, uh, that'll be good. That's a good road trip car. We're going to, uh, do a show, uh, on Saturday night. That's when I say we, I mean me and Adam Ray doing stand up. That'll be, uh, unprepared at the Golden State Theater, but Matt will be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be at the track and we're going to be making the rounds. I, I am curious to find out what attendance is at the track, uh, this year versus last year and years before. Seem seem to be more and more populated yeah, each gotta year. It's got to be a hundred thousand, right? Like, I, I think the number was like eighty five or eighty eight or at some point, mm-hmm. and then I think Rensport pulled those kind of numbers too, maybe more than that. And I, it's got to be a hundred thousand. I uh, I sort of remember the Rensport number being like in the nineties, but that didn't include all the drivers and mechanics and yeah. everybody, all the ancillary people that were would have been there. All right, so uh, we got uh, the guys out there. I'll tell you what. Well, I'm very interested in talking to uh, David Gooding and Hans World. Why don't we? Uh, why don't you go bring those guys in and get them situated? And I'll hit the Zycote near the top mm-hmm. here. Heat, the enemy of speed. Zybar, revolutionary, high temp coating, dissipates heat and increases performance of manifolds, headers, exhaust, turbos, intakes. Zybar coats the metal surface and uh, doesn't allow it to absorb the heat. This is technology. This is uh, space, space industry, aero industry type technology. Uh, look, the stuff that comes in a rattle can or single part, it's just not going to work like Zycoat works or Zybar works. Um, you can uh, you can hit hot exhaust parts and. Uh, I'm Anything under exhaust, the hood. The whole thing. I'm doing the whole exhaust. Did you send it to them? I didn't do it yet. We're gonna. I'm going to have MagnaFlow do the exhaust, and then we're going to send it all out. Zybar increases horsepower, torque, reduces metal surface and under hood temperatures. Uh, and for listeners who aren't uh, do-it-yourselfers, you can visit Zycoat.com. Click the coating services. Uh, we did the uh, brake ducts on the 935. That yeah. is uh, Zycoat. We'll uh, coat your parts for you. Zycoat.com. All right. Let's see. I'm trying to get all my papers uh, in front of me. David Gooding, Hans World. Good to see you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. How are you? Uh, we're always busy, <laughs> as, as you can tell, but uh, good. And, uh, you know, we're in probably the same shape you are, which is trying to get ready for this uh, circus called Monterey. And uh, you guys got your work cut out for you. I think this is probably your busiest time, your biggest event, although Amelia Island is probably starting to compete with it. You tell us. Yeah, Scottsdale? Yeah, no, basically, um, yeah, Pebbles are our biggest in terms of dollar value. Um, we have 140 cars there uh, this year, which is usually what we have. It's a two-night sale or a two-day sale, Friday night and Saturday, uh, the 16th and 17th. Um, but uh, Scottsdale's also a two-day sale, and Amelia's growing like crazy. That's a one-day sale in March. So, so you guys have a two-day sale, but a, a question that comes up a lot on social media is, can anybody go to the auctions? Because we talk about them so much. So uh, are, are your viewing days public days? 
Yeah, absolutely. We we actually want to be as inclusive as possible, and and everybody's welcome. Yeah. So our preview days start on on Wednesday at ten a.m. and the preview goes on through Thursday, and then all the way through until the sale starts at five p.m. on Friday as well. Is there a um, fee to view so you can keep out the riffraff? Yeah, yeah. There's a fee. It's so I think it's seventy five dollars a person, or you can buy a catalog which admits two, and you get our big double catalog which you guys have seen, which is always a nice thing for people to have. And I think that's two hundred dollars, and that okay. gets two people in. Matt and I because. Uh, we're we're a sad old couple. <laughs> I, I were having this discussion the other day while I was walking my dog. I was like, Gooding used to go Sunday. They'd go Saturday, Sunday. Then they switched to Friday, Saturday. When did they switch to Friday, Saturday from Saturday, Sunday? And then we had I, we speculated for a while about right. when, when he switched. It had to be recently. It was three years ago? Three I, years I, ago. Yes. I think this will yeah. be our third sale with a new schedule. Yeah. This will be your third. All it's right, a blur yeah. to us. It's just we're, we're – we're down, but yeah, it was, yeah, a, it was approximately yes. three years ago. Uh, it, it appears. If you guys th- ever have questions about that, you can call us. Let well, us thank know. You. Yeah, yeah, no, we were pretty. <laughs> we, have, we might be calling yeah, you. We're, in the we're next pretty week. good with this kind of stuff. We love. Uh, <laughs> we love. We're looking at the book, the catalog. That's always amazing. We got uh, Nikki Lada's F one uh, Ferrari on the front. It's we were talking so good, about like it a, outside, saying it looks like a toy. It's so <laughs> tiny and it looks like a toy. Yeah, and you guys were saying, yeah, it actually when you get up on it, it looks like you're supposed to pick it up. It's the most beautiful <laughs> toy in the world. Oh my gosh, gorgeous. Well, yeah. specifically that car with its restoration, the way it's done, it's it's so impeccably finished that it it, it it does. It looks like a toy. It looks like a big hand could come grab it at any point. But w- Would you guys uh, agree with this statement? Because we're always kind of talking about where the collector market is going and the hobby is going. And I, I always say to Matt, you know, they didn't really have indie cars and F1 cars weren't really at the forefront of the collector market. People didn't have a lot of interest. They wanted old 50s and 60s Ferraris, and then they wanted Le Mans history, a lot of Le Mans history. And of course, your GT40s and your Ferrari GTOs, and and it it bled into M1 Pro cars and stuff like that. But it really wasn't much indie or open wheel or f1 and now it's starting to spread like like almost like it's spread into the group c rally stuff like it just mm-hmm. it just keeps spreading out into these other markets who would have thought 80s group c rally stuff would be bananas but here we are right yeah absolutely yeah yeah you know open wheel cars in particular i think have always struggled a little bit from an accessibility standpoint there's there's obviously less places you can use one right you know so unless you're going to go race it um but when you think about single seaters you know they've always been the pinnacle of motorsport whether it's the indy 500 or, or or grand prix racing it's always been the top level of racing and so from a historical standpoint and from a collectability standpoint the cars stand equal to just about anything else that ran at le mans and everything obviously if, if you want to compare it to a, a gto or a gt40 there's road tours tour auto there's you know all kinds of things you can do with those cars that's not a racing event. And right. I think that's helped that's helped the values of those cars tremendously. But we have seen Formula One cars and Indy cars come up in a lot of people's, you know, interest lists and obviously they have seen a rise in value. Well you made a good point in that. You can use most of these sports cars for other things as well, but the you know the Indy cars, F one cars, you really can't unless it's just vintage racing or you're 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 just Chip Connor and you got them in your garage for fun. <laughs> well that's <laughs> not using them, that's just yeah, looking just, at them. Just kind of looking at them. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. and he gives us tours there, and it's yeah. it's amazing. But uh, uh, I, it's it's interesting to see how those cars are 
like you said, getting more valuable because they're starting to get used a little bit more. Like, well, the, yeah, there are more events. Definitely, um, uh, the things the like vintage the, the, racing's the, been growing. Well, the, there there are a lot more events for uh, indie open wheel indie cars than there used to be, uh, and certainly things like the Monaco Historics have done a tremendous amount for the the market and the demand. I mean, it's all it's all demand. So when there are these amazing events, you know. People, you, any one of us, if we have the money, yeah. which is <laughs> which is a, a big hurdle. But if you have the money, you can basically buy that car and drive it at Monaco. I mean, Monaco historic. How is that not you on know? our radar? Oh, you have to go. <laughs> oh, it's God. insane. It's absolutely incredible. We, David and I were there together, and it's yeah. it's just otherworldly. I mean, it's it's great to be in Monaco anytime, but then sure. there's vintage Formula One cars racing on the same track that they did, you know, since pre-war. So it's it's an incredible place. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I I imagine that automatically the Monaco historics are only a few years old, right? Since I mean, it's no, not, no, since uh, pre-war. No, I mean, I mean the historic, oh, oh, the race. historic. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah sorry. no, but it's, it's been going on. It's a biannual event, so it doesn't always come oh, around yeah. like yeah. random consciousness or something. But, but right. I think yeah. I, I don't know when it started. Maybe eighties or nineties. Oh, I didn't know yeah, it been yeah. going on yeah. that long. It, I, Check yeah. into that, yeah. Maxipad, and we'll see. But yeah, yeah. either well, way, so correct me, please. There. You now have a a purpose and a place and a context for this car. Yeah, so now you now get to say to your wife, "Calm down." I know it was eight million bucks, but guess who gets to drive it in the streets of Monaco? <laughs> yeah, this guy, yeah. and I'll have my girlfriend cheering me on. <laughs> actually, actually, we had a, a few years ago. I think it was Pebble Beach in two thousand six. We had a an earlier Ferrari three twelve, one of, with the spaghetti exhaust, and um, uh, we sold it. The fellow bought the car and said, "I'm going to go take it to Monaco." Took it to Monaco. Never had been. And one is race at Monaco, and there's wow. great. There's, wow. He's got a great video of it. I mean, it was just, just you know, magical. Started and, in '97, uh, did the next one in 2000, and then it's just been every two years uh, okay. since. Okay. What a yeah, what yeah. amazing what an amazing ride. So it, it it seems like the race car world uh, market, which was sort of I don't know, it existed for certain cars like a Ferrari GTO. Or four GT, but even even those lag behind. I just feel like the race cars have taken off in the last five to eight years. The street cars have been you know, pretty flat, and some have gone up, some have gone down. But the race car segment of the market, which was a neither here nor there proposition in the past, there I have a bunch of old Japanese race cars. No, this was like what are the, those? Aren't worth anything because they're Japanese and they're race cars, so no, nobody wants them. So now they've turned into something. Yeah. Right. So, absolutely. Uh, wh- what do you reckon? I, I hear my, I tell Matt all the time. I go, I think everyone wants a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you own a Ferrari Daytona, that's good. And, and you could have a story. This is a Ferrari Daytona. But also you could pull up to Cars and Coffee in Irvine and another guy could pull up in a Daytona. It could be the same color as yours. Right. So it's a little – it hurts your story. What, the race cars – there's so much story to them and the value of the race cars all in the story. So if this car was built for Le Mans, but never showed up, it doesn't have nearly the value of one that ran Le Mans or one that placed in the top on the podium or one that won Le Mans. Now the price go- just keeps going. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 you, do you feel like people are looking for the story part of the collector market? Definitely. I mean, we, we you know, Cars with interesting histories are always what we love sharing with people, and that's definitely uh, 
something that just as enthusiasts, we, we love delving into it. So um, uh, definitely our, our clients are seeking that out and they are you know, excited, enthused and ultimately bid and buy cars if they have a great history, a great story behind them. And that's – it's it's the combination. It's the human element, the human history of the cars, racing, the people, the, the great engineers that built them. If you can talk about that, it's just – it gives a hell of a lot more to the cars that you're you know, showing and people gravitate toward that. So many of these race cars are unique. As Adam is saying, they're one-off. The The car could be one-off. The story absolutely is one-off. How do you how do you start to take a car that's never been up before, maybe something that's – a racing car that's never been at auction before, and you have to start to determine a price, but there's no real comps out there. If it was a SL Gullwing, that's easy. Right. Right? Yeah, you yeah. know, uh, Dino is easy. Right. Right? Every auction has one or two or whatever. So yeah. people know – what they're worth and what they're going to pay for them. But when you start getting into uh, you know, something like one of the Nissan race cars or the Nikki Lauda car or something like that where you're like, oh, I, you know, how do you start to yeah. put a number on it? Yeah, well, Matt, you other, and I, other than the client going, yeah. "This is how much I want." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we we've obviously go through this with every sale, and there's there's new cars brought to us that every time. And Matt and I, you and you, you, you and I, you have and even, I've had this. We've even had a this uh, discussion about a specific car, but in in general, you you have to rely a little bit on comps because you have to have a leg to stand on. And one of the beauties of the auction process, obviously, is that the market gets to decide. But but we we do need to estimate things. We do need to negotiate with a client. So we we. You know, a Goodyear company find other enthusiasts and experts in the field and ask their opinion if it's something that's very, very obscure. Yeah. Um, but you have to go at least to you know, you and I were talking about a you know a Nissan 300ZX yeah. IMSA car, and so we looked at Trans Am cars, and 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 you need to look at other pe- things that it might compete with on the racetrack and other things that it it uh, you know that that mark. Uh, other models that that mark may have and what those are worth, yeah. but it can be very, very difficult. And also, then within the the model or th- of that race car, you can have a wide disparity. By is this the car that won all the races, or was this a spare car? Did Which it have tra- a bad accident? Did it have a bad accident? Did it? What tracks did it run at? You know? Yeah. Where's actually? Yeah. You brought up a good point in that list of something that I think Adam and I think about a lot of time during those discussions is what other cars did that car compete against? Yeah, you know, and what are they doing? You know, did a did a did a mid eighties Nissan go against a mid eighties you know BMW or something? And right. what where are those? Where are and those? why exactly. are those yeah. at that price? It's I don't know it's it's sometimes it's tough to look. Well, at. It, it, it's it's who it's 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 kind of twofold now. I guess it's it's who they competed against and who they will compete against in whatever that group five run group or mm-hmm. group a four or whatever it is like who else yeah. is at that dance and how much is the admission to that dance you know who yeah. are some of the cars that might be in the front half of that pack and what are the values of those cars and well, some yeah, yeah i mean yes. you bring up a very good point because some some cars that were not great vintage not great race cars in their day have become great vintage race cars because they can be modified or, or they're a lot more reliable than mm-hmm. some of the front runners, so they're <laughs> relatively much more valuable now than they would have been, you know, in their time period. So yeah, you know the, how they how they compete in a vintage race today it, it does have a factor. So we have to factor all that in. But what I what I love about our events, even for those of us, uh, you know, specialists or experts, is 
on the day, as that car rolls up on the ramp, we don't know what's going to happen. It is yeah. a test of the market. Well, nobody knows. They're watching. sweating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, 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 watch, you watch the market speak in real yeah. time. And that's, that's – you know, I, I, often we have people that come to our events and say, I'm not even a car person. But just the market dynamics yeah. of it is really interesting to watch. Well, there's a, a singer up here, which is yeah. interesting that Matt and I were speculating about. We can ask you a little more about that. There's uh, the one – the car that may be the coolest visually is the Lister Jag. That thing just <laughs> looks cool. It's it's 1959. I'm not a 50s car guy, but it's right at the end of the 50s and right into the 60s. It's so yeah. low slung. Uh, it's, um, it's oddly got like a land speed car yeah, kind of stance it's got to an it. Arrows, yeah. streamline. It's got a streamliner stance and it's just like the wheels are so tucked up under there. I'm sure beautiful Jag power plant uh, under the hood. It's got the dirty gold Barani type uh, – no, dirty gold, sorry, uh, type like ja- uh, Lambo type 60s color on the wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just got a good look, big knockoffs. It's very – if you ever watch an episode of Speed Racer, it kind of just looks like every car that he's beating. It's the Mach 5. Yeah, 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 it's not. It's, it's, the, you're right, it's, it's one the of the cars stuff. that's running, trying to run the Mach 5 off, off the, the road. road. Yeah, yeah. Because well, the Mach 5's got a little pickle fork front. Yeah, 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 and right. that was one of the first sports racers of the period that was designed to be specifically aerodynamic. You know, Frank Costin did the body on that, uh, the body work designed for that car, and he was an aerodynamicist. So it's it, it, it absolutely it's absolutely done to be aerodynamic, but I always love how cars that were built sometimes by aerodynamicists also end up being absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And the, the proportions of that car and the way it sits, as you say, especially like that profile shot that we just saw, it's incredible. They're, I, I they're think, gorgeous things. Uh, Pete Brock told a story about the Daytona, the the Shelby coupe and, you know, there were some initial sketches and stuff on it. And he said, you, you know, do you want it to go fast? And, uh, and him being, you know, into aerodynamic studying it, he goes, yeah, they what they do. It's like, all right, I got to lop off the back and do this to it, and and I forgot what the statistics were, but they ran it sort of a previous sort of body style. Then they ran it his way with the lopped off back. It was yeah. significantly faster on the top end. They and, said it was, I don't know, three seconds faster around Riverside or the top on the straightaway. It was like twenty two miles an hour faster yeah. at Riverside yeah. than than a than a Cobra. Yeah, there's wow. some some version of that story because they, like, they put them like a hard top on a cobra. Right? Yeah, they'd whatever. driven yeah. cobras around there a million times, so yeah. they knew what the top, what those things topped out at yeah. at Riverside, and this thing won another twenty miles an hour faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah and the main difference was the bodywork. Yeah. It was the body. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the only yeah. the yeah. only difference was yeah. the bodywork because underneath was just a cobra. It's a yeah. Standard, right? And, and that's that's Peter Brock. Just kind of, you know, you're you talk about. The aerodynamics then they didn't really have a lot of testing or certainly nobody could afford the testing not the you know the venice crew at shelby they kind of just had to yeah. rely on you know his his studies and his expertise well so he he found some old drawings his that that story just because i just finished this doc <laughs> i'm only an expert at stuff i do movies on but <laughs> when you want to know about something yeah. you're like let's when, do a movie on when, it when when he was at gm uh, according to pete he came yeah. across some old papers from like germany or europe or something from the 30s and somebody That's had an idea that. about a streamliner that was whacked off at the end like you didn't need to go all the way out to a point mm-hmm. you could you could fool the air the thinking it went to a point if you had chopped it and put it at an angle and P- pete said 
in the doc that he remembered these old papers, these old calculations. And although he couldn't read German or French, or probably German, he couldn't read the German, but he could read the numbers. Yeah. And, and he got the numbers, and that's what he won off of. Interesting. Yeah, very. Yeah. I wonder what the, what the sketches were. It's also oh, so yeah. crazy when you you know kids would just Google everything now, yeah. like the fact that he's in Venice and he's got to get the pa- hands on the paperwork, like dr- calcs written out, yeah, by number, you know, and then try to read that and interpret that. I mean, I remember it, going to the library. It's so <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's weird that we got anything. It's weird how much stuff got done. You know what I mean? Just yeah. completely analog. Then just went and got a bunch of plywood and started making bucks. Yeah. No CAD or anything. No, no CNC. He was, really, he was really young at the time, too, wasn't he? Like his- I was just looking up one of our uh, other uh, old gay couple discussions was, I think, Charlie Acapu and how yeah. old he was and how old Pete was. And he's and Charlie we've interviewed and has been in a few of our docs. Um, and with this new Ford V Ferrari coming out now, he's playing. Uh, someone's playing Charlie. Yeah. Uh, I think we surmised that Charlie was t- about twenty at the time, and and Pete was like twenty six. Yeah, it's just, wow. I mean, so yeah. I mean, yeah. even tw- these are kids yeah. out yeah, doing yeah. this stuff. Yeah, Crazy. Charlie. Charlie was on uh, Ken Miles' team, like he was on like his engineering team first, and then they all went to to Shelby. But he was he was probably nineteen or something when he started working That's with. Right. What, what do you guys? I'm going to tease this because uh, Matt's going to do a piece of Brembo business, but. When a movie like Ford v. Ferrari comes out with Matt Damon playing Carol Shelby and uh, Christian Bale playing Ken Miles, and like I, for instance, I've always thought, I always thought that the Ford GTs were undervalued for what they were. A few years ago, they were relatively cheap compared to the Ferrari GTOs and the super mega whatever cars out there. They were mm-hmm. relatively inexpensive. And. My thought at the time was, no, oh, they got a push rod engine with a with a iron block, you know, like the, it's the American power plant that was kind of holding them down. You know, it wasn't a Porsche or Ferrari. Yeah, uh, the four GTs are are moving, mm-hmm. and they're going to move fast, and they're going to bridge. They're going to make up that space. There was a huge space between Ferrari stuff and the four GT, but people are starting to realize the four GT beat the Ferrari. Why is there this massive gap? Between those two, similarly, the Daytona, those were, I think, undervalued and underappreciated as well. Um, But when a movie like this then comes out with these guys, there's going to be some Oscar buzz. They held it back to drop it in November when there is Oscar contention. Christian Bale's going to get nominated. It can only help. But I, I'm I'm curious, like, what's your thoughts on a movie like that? Go ahead, Matt. Hit Brembo and then and then give us your thoughts. All so. right, sixty to zero. That's the number you guys should be paying attention to. Brembo has been stopping champions on the track as well as drivers like you and me on the street for over fifty years. Brembo, the world leader in braking systems, has now made replacing brakes on your everyday vehicle even easier. For domestic, Asian, and European models, from subcompact cars to full-size pickups, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go to buy genuine Brembo OE-equivalent replacement brake components. Even if your car doesn't have Brembos on it originally, you can get Brembo rotors and pads 
uh, from these guys for pretty much everything. Whether it's UV-coated brake discs, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, go to BremboStoreUSA.com now to get the brakes, which have been the choice of champions for over 50 years. And right now, for a limited time, use code CARCAST10 to get 10% off your first purchase and help you achieve that 60 to 0 braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. So go to BremboStoreUSA.com. Use code CARCAST10. So the movie, I'm, I'm guess you, you welcome these projects <laughs> in your world. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely we do. And it, it parallels, interestingly, and I'm excited to see that movie. Obviously, the trailer's got yeah, we're tons of buzz. Like, yeah, we're social media is just totally. lit up about it. And it's a great story. So I'm really interested to see how they've interpreted it. Uh, but it parallels real well to we have the Lauda Ferrari sitting in the book yeah. cover. Yeah. And right. obviously the, the Rush movie you right. know, was out and chronicled really well the Nicky Lauda and, and James Hunt rivalry. And and I guess we're going to, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a test case as to, you know, there's no established market for a 312T at auction. But we're going to find out uh, and, and talking to our clients exactly what they thought of that car in relation to the movie. I think it can have. You know, it, it it can't have a detriment to the marketplace on a on on a Ford on GT40. Uh, anything that brings the cars out into the consciousness of people um, and explains the kind of romance and allure of the time mm-hmm. and the drama that was involved. Motorsports, and we were talking about the story earlier, it is a romantic, dramatic, dangerous thing. And obviously, in your document documentaries, you know, Adam, you've addressed this and. And I think once people really get – once they delve into it, they find that it's a little microcosm of, of a lot of drama that happens in life. And the cars are the stars, absolutely, along with the drivers. So, yeah, we absolutely welcome. So you see a significant I mean, or, or a minor pop in valuations? I, I, think, when- I think it can have a significant uh, pop. I mean I, I think I was, just as you were describing it, I was thinking back on the um, – pre-Tucker market. I have to be careful about saying that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. The pre-Tucker, b- before the movie, and after the movie, the market definitely took a, a blip up. Uh, yeah. How much of it is directly correlated? I think there's, I definitely think there's a correlation. He, I, I mean, think it's that's true. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, Tuckers are, I don't know, two million bucks now, yeah. or people want two million bucks for them. I don't know if they're <laughs> right, getting them, but right. that's what they want. And Tuckers formerly were just kind of funky cars from the 40s. Yeah. No yeah. One really Not a lot of awareness. It. I think that movie yeah. created awareness, but yeah. awareness sort of in a positive way, yeah. which is interesting because sometimes uh, people pass away and you think those vehicles or something are going to pop and a lot of times it doesn't. I think it's just because of the the negative sort of tragic aspect of it. When Shelby passed away, I don't think the cars did anything really, right? I, but mm-hmm. when something a little bit more exciting like Ford versus Ferrari comes out, I think it will. I think up. there's a st- – my feeling from sort of examining the zeitgeist of this is um, there's a steeping period like when Steve McQueen died, his stuff didn't pop because he died. He just went. He, he just died, and yeah. and it took like twenty years to have the market kind of go. Oh, that guy was a cool guy. Wouldn't it be cool to have his bomber jacket or his nine seventeen or whatever it was? <laughs> it became. It, but I mean, he was dead for twenty years. Yeah. You know, it, it's sort of like Freddie Mercury dead for. 
28 years and then they or whatever it was and then they make a movie you know they yeah, never yeah. really come out with the movie you think they'd yeah, go the oh this guy that. died now let's have the movie come out next year on the anniversary is that oh no they wait decades and, it's, it's and, weird by the way every time they don't wait that long it's not very successful if there's some sort of tragic yes when thing they rush to- you know, when they rush to, yeah. to to get Angry Birds the movie out, like for, <laughs> because the, because the games is, is so you popular, know, Pokemon, it you know, doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like yeah, they have yeah. to they have to wait. I I started buying Newman stuff for that reason. I was like, I get it. He's he's. Uh, I bought some stuff when he was still alive, but after he died, still nobody cared because I felt like, well, McQueen, nobody cared either. We just are going to wait, and I feel like. McQueen taught us a little lesson for Newman that it would probably speed up a little. Like instead of 20 years, maybe it'd be 10 years or 15 years or Mm -hmm. something. Well, I think nostalgia is a powerful thing. Right, and it sometimes it takes a little nostalgia to get things, you know, back to the fore of people's minds. McQueen's a great point because he's been he's as famous, at least in our kind of car culture these days, as he I think he ever was as a movie star. Obviously, yeah. maybe not to as broad an audience, but he's an absolute hero to people in our. You know, there's still people buying his T-shirts with his likeness on it, right and left, and we see it at just about every car event we ever go to. Yeah. We have a McQueen motorcycle in the auction. We have a McQueen oh, motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, come, come buy a McQueen the, motorcycle. The Absolutely. Uh, the estimate is two fifty to three hundred. I think. Okay. Yeah. Now, what and would how does in, it compare to other motorcycles? <laughs> well, it's um, yeah, it was two, three, the, a great story. A great story to it. It was like the first when he first uh, went to New York and got what an year, acting gig. I'm sorry, is the bike? The Indian, it's or approximately seven, I believe. All right, so it's a forties. Okay, yeah, yeah. Indian. So he, you know, he was always a fan of uh, old bikes and, and whatnot. And so when he first got uh, some money from from acting, this was the first thing he bought. This was the first treat he had, and he had it all through his life. You know, he bought and sold a lot of stuff through his through his time, but he had it his whole life. Oh, and, so this uh, is a again. Also, I know from. Newman stuff. There's stuff he sat in or looked at once, right. and then stuff he owned and drove loved and had. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this is something he really loved, and uh, he had it his whole life, his the, the rest of his life. And uh, so we're you know we're excited. We'll see how you, the, how, you, that, how it does. You have to go about documenting that and authenticating that. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. the real question then for us is, and and I guess the listeners is, what's that Indian worth? The same bike in the same condition, same yeah. year, minus What's the McQueen. McQueen. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. So, you know, I, I would say it's probably a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollar bike, and with the McQueen factor, it's two fifty to three hundred. So it we'll essentially see. doubled. Yeah, what yeah. what it would be. Okay. Yeah, that's an expensive bike. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Normally, right? Well, it's a really yeah. great original. Yeah, uh, Indian. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, when we're looking at one that says 1936. Yeah, is yeah that, it's no, that's that is it. It's a 30. Oh. Yeah, it's a it's a pre-war bike. I'm but that's, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, there's only 140 cars and bikes <laughs> to remember in every single auction we ever yeah. do. It, it gets a little yeah. rough, but the, um, yeah. the um uh, the singer. Yeah, yeah. I was so, just gonna say, let's touch on the singer. We again. were so we're interested about the singer. We love singer. Well, I love the story of singer. We love the way they do their cars. Um, I've talked to a few guys who are ordering singers and I'd love to own a singer one of these days and, and everyone would. Um, but what we're talking about is the estimate, which is 800 to a million dollars. And I was saying to Matt, um, these guys, I mean, I don't know, it's two, three year waiting list or right. whatever it is. Um, time, I, I can tell you as a, as a rich guy, Matt can't tell you this, but I can, <laughs> as, a, as a rich guy, 
You want stuff when you want it, and time is money, man, and you will pay more or premium or whatever it is to get what you want now. I mean, God, anyone who's ever built a custom home or something, they would gladly put down another several hundred grand if they could have the keys handed to them today instead of three years from now, you know, or whatever it is. Is that the premium that's factored into the car? Because I guess the singers are start at 550 and can go up or six or something like yeah. that this obviously is eight to a million are we paying that vig to jump to the front of the line or is the car's value as a singer becoming that yeah i think it's i think it's or a little both. i think it's a little bit of both obviously we're we're relying on someone obviously one one now that that otherwise is not on the list and that would be great to be great to have someone with that motivation this particular car is also a really enviable spec you could i believe just go to singer and build it for less if you do want to put your name on the on the list and wait um but it isn't it isn't a car that you would end up with at like that base price of a 550 range sure. which i think is somewhat accurate you know we could check that obviously but it's it's done to this amazing 4 liter lightweight spec with seats that they don't usually use in those cars that was custom done by this guy it's an incredible colors it's still kind of as new when it comes to a condition standpoint so yeah, and then this is the first singer to come to public auction. So we're we're trying to figure out just like everybody else yeah. if these cars like a lot of modern Porsches that have come out and immediately seen boost in values, we'll find out at, again at the same time as everyone else well, exactly that, where the, it goes back to our conversation on like comps and things like that. Exactly. It's like how do you know? I don't know. At I some have point a, it's going to be what does the guy want for it? And, and, and well, I I I I don't I think it's a little different than that. We we're talking about the Rod Emery Outlaw mm-hmm. that just went for 500K. Yeah. Uh, uh, I- Icon stuff, Jonathan Ward. Yeah, you know, we these are, ask about those, that. Those to, me, those to me are comps for what you're talking about. New Porsches going up you know, at the day after you buy right. them and stuff is good too. But to me, uh, it's more like what what are those because other guys car and, building those yeah. bespoke cars and those things doing so well after they been sold for a second time uh a rod emery to me that like something like the rod emery i i'm not a a 356 fella per se i i'm much more in the singer department but this these are good examples of like hey this stuff is going up Uh, unlike back in the day chip foose would build something uh, for Chris Titus, and it might, you know, then after the divorce, it, it, it always gets your money back. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Good news is she's getting half of less. <laughs> she's getting half of less. Well, the long-term collectability is always going to be in flux, and it's always something that's going to change, and, yeah. and that's going to come decade to decade. And so establishing establishing it now is is obviously something that an auction is going to be really good at. And, and like I said, we'll find out. But your examples, I think, are all very astute because – the the first people to ever do Porsches like Singer is doing them is Singer. The first person to ever treat 356 resto modding and restoration like Emery is the Emery's. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first person to do stuff like Jonathan Ward is doing is Jonathan Ward. And so they're yeah. really, really interesting cases like that where someone had to pay up right at the beginning for Raychem wiring harnesses and carbon fiber this and 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 uh, that isn't always an easy thing to get your money back out of but they've taken on this mystique and the the you know the quality of the products is so over the top yeah. that i think there's long term co- you know collectability built in I, at, I at some, lo- at some have, level yeah and we had that, again it goes back to what what we were saying earlier we don't know what it'll what it'll do so it'll be interesting to see what where it's going to end up and you know i mean 
on the day we'll find out. Everybody so. with a singer and everyone who works at Singer is definitely <laughs> going to be watching because that will yeah. literally tell them that day what that car is worth or right. what the car you ordered is going to be worth. What or that singer is worth. But, of course, each one is different. So Yeah, I know. But it'll, it'll, yeah, but it'll, it'll, if a guy – if a guy – we'll get back to the wives here for a second. <laughs> if a guy – has ordered his singer for six seventy five, and his wife's given him a lot of shit, and that's a ton of money to spend on a car. And why don't you just spend two fifty and get a new Ferrari? You could have got tomorrow. Now you're waiting three years, and she's up his ass, and that thing hammers for nine twenty nine thirty five or whatever. Then he can look at his wife and go, "Shut up," yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is what we're all striving, you know, for out of life. You know, okay. we're yeah, all looking pass. for this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to yeah. say to your wife, like, "Okay, now get off my back." Yeah. I, I know, yeah. We know that when my car's done, I'm not saying it's going to hammer for nine hundred and thirty-five, but we know yeah. when it's done that this six seventy-five was a good. Seemed like a good investment. It, yeah. it is. A, it's an interesting benchmark. You're right. It's this weird, like, sort of rich guy and gal world benchmark where, you know, we do this show and Ken Lingenfelder sits here and he goes, hey, I got good news. I was just selected to give Ferrari $2 million. You know, right. tip for a lot of Ferrari. It's a wonderful car. And it. I was like, oh, wow, that must be a wonderful letter to get in the mail. Yeah. Like, congratulations. Yeah. We'll take your money. But he knows. Knows it's free money, right? Because yeah. the yeah. next day that car's three million dollars, or yeah. two point eight, or three point five, or yeah. whatever. Like, there's yeah. just some version of it where you're like, uh, and I guess maybe Ferrari can kind of see it that way. Yeah. Maybe after Monterey, Singer can sort of sing it, see it that way. Yeah. But the one thing that I thought was kind of interesting is why these I don't know micro manufacturers or coach built manufacturers are the ones that are standing out in the crowd as opposed to uh, the one Ring Brothers car or the one Chip Foose car. Like those cars are pretty special. They're all hand built. But Singer needs to make 30 cars, 40 cars, all a little different, but they need sort of a manufacturer mentality. Emery, Singer, uh, Icon. By the way, uh, Jonathan Ward's derelict cars are amazing, but that's not his his sort of manufacturing conveyor belt cars. It's his Broncos and his and his Land Cruisers, and those are the ones that are popping up for money. Mm-hmm. I, not, not as not as hot rods, basically. Right. right. I I think I'm going to answer. Yeah, you should answer. <laughs> I'm going to answer. I think you need. I I I don't. I feel like a handful of Ferrari GTOs makes GTOs worth more than one. Like mm-hmm. when you do like – you hear that one, oh, it's a schnauzer. And you go, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a defunct German company. And, and you're like, oh, I don't know what that one car is. Like we need a little more – now we don't need 5,000, but we don't need five. Or we could use five, but we don't need one or two. Like when they get yeah. really low, you need a little volume. No, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, I it, should work for you. Put me on retainer, would you? <laughs> what are you doing with Hans? By the way, Hans' first, his real name, Larry. Larry just, his name is Larry Carson. Larry. He's, he's from the him. Reno area. He's, yeah. he's pulling hey, this grift, I was man. wondering why Hans were always in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> his name. He, he sold siding six years ago. <laughs> 
know. Three years ago. Three yeah. years ago. It's not whenever you guys change to uh, the, Friday, Saturday, yeah, that's when he stopped he, selling cider. Yeah, 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 Hire yeah. a real expert. Yeah, yeah. He's, good looking. He's a good looking guy, though. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Reno. I'm, I was born in Reno. That's a whole other story. Oh, man. Uh, so was Larry. <laughs> so was Larry. <laughs> that's where I met him. Yeah, yeah. No, but um, no, you hit it completely on the head. I mean, there, there, there has to be a certain number of cars of, of anything really for there to be a demand. I mean, it's, you know, people, people talk about supply and demand and I always say, look, demand is a much, much more important part of the equation. You, you know, you can have supply. We have lots of cars that are one of one and, you know, it, there's, there's not many people that want them. But if you have a, a certain number like GTOs 36, there's, there's just a certain number. As long as there are 37 people that want them, there's going to be a, yeah, 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 there there are certain it's just enough to drive people insane. There's yeah. certain factors, <laughs> yeah. like I think I don't know if we should bring it up. Does RM have the De Tomasa, whatever Can Am, something that uh, Pete Brock like worked on? There's and bottoms. That's, that's bottoms that has oh, that bottoms. The P seven. Yeah, we don't like to talk P38, about bottoms, right? but what I'm saying is, is once in a while, if you can get Pete Brock and De Tomasa together, now now we have some names we kind of recognize and we'll put them on this kind of one-off car and now at least it's more more recognizable than the defunct company. All right, let me hit Castrol Mm -hmm. Edge and then we'll ask, uh, I'll tease, uh, where's the market going? And uh, let's say, let's say we have folks listening and they got... uh, 25 grand, 50 grand, and 100 grand to invest on a car. Not necessarily the same person, but a 25 grand car that we think's moving, a 50, 50 range moving, 100 range moving. You tell us. First, I'll tell you about uh, Castrol Edge, stronger under pressure. Engines can lose up to 10% of performance due to friction. Casserole Edge, it's made with fluid titanium. It transforms under pressure. Keep the metal parts from rubbing and robbing power. It is three times stronger. Three fool. times, fool. Oh, sorry. <laughs> three times. Three times, fool. Than uh, leading full synthetics against viscosity breakdown. It is the best. It is. Castrol Edge. All right, so. <laughs> These guys are crunching numbers and taking notes. They're yeah, I put them on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Put Joss Spot yeah. podcast. Uh, we are going to be for- at the Portland World of. I'm buying you a little time. We're going to be. <laughs> thank you. We're going to be at the Portland World of Speed, which is a really uh, World of Speed Motorworks uh, Museum, which is a really nice spot. I happen to have it chance to go there just a couple of weeks I'm ago to go. it's a world-class place and it's nestled it's so green it's so beautiful mario andretti's going to be there uh we're going to do a live podcast there and, um uh, this... he's got his ford his gt40 there he's got many of his cars the craziest one is like his circle dirt track car that he one Pikes Peak in or something. Yeah. Like, oh my God, are you nuts driving that car up Pikes Peak? <laughs> uh, like, uh, like a midget a car yeah, with yeah. knobby tires on it. Um, so there's a lot there's a lot there, and you can come out. Uh, that's the 30th, right? Let's see. Yeah, that's 30th. the 30th. And uh, tomorrow, as you guys are listening to this, uh, Goldberg and I will be at uh, Roadkill Nights in Detroit. We are doing a podcast at 1245 with Mark Trosel from Dodge and David Freiberger from Roadkill. Mm. And then at 445 is the big drag race showdown. It's the Kindig and Goldberg and, oh, that. and, and yeah. all those guys. Oh, are you guys uh, driving? Yeah, we're, we are driving Dodge Challenger 1320s. 
Mm. And, Does that mean uh, it turns? It's a naturally aspirated, I want to say, 475 ah. horse uh, challengers. And we're gonna Does it a, turn a 1320 and a quarter mile? Is 1320 the, is the quarter mile length. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, oh 1320 is the quarter mile length. Yeah. yeah so now yeah. it's 1,000 feet. Yeah. Right. But we're going to – Right. I, I think got we're you. running full quarter miles. All right. It'll be fun. All it's right. We're bad. done talking about nothing. What do you guys yeah. got? Yeah. What do you got? <laughs> so what, do you want to do you want to go into specifics of what cars or do you want to talk about the market? Yeah, yeah, 25. Like what would what you buy? What advice would you give? I think, I think if you could find a decent one at 25, uh, you know, a BMW 2002 TII uh, – you know, oh, okay. I know that you, it's really hard now, but a 510, which is obviously taking a huge leap. We were talking about those th- those cars to buy a decent one, especially an original car is looking yeah. more like 50. Um, but I, I think small, you know, yeah. m- early to mid 70s coupes, mm-hmm. Z cars, late 60s stuff like you've like you've been is still, I think, really, really good value. And the main reason for those is because it's hard to find a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many of them that were driven into the ground. And that's why we've seen the collectability of cars in that price range go up is because they're still accessible and affordable. And if you really want a good one, you have to work for it and you have to you got to dig. The you, difference between a really nice Really nice 240Z and a not nice is a hundred grand versus seventy five hundred bucks yeah. or four grand. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it really has some range. And that that brings up a good point. That would be sort of my pick in that fifty thousand dollar range would be a clean Z car. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can you can find them, and when you do, I think they're gonna they're gonna go up a little bit. All right, so now that's a good call. Uh, Two thousand two is a real cool car and a cool call. For that range, now you get into the fifties. Hmm, yeah. about what's your fifty thousand yeah. dollar pick? You, you could still 50-ish. buy a, you could still buy a decent nine eleven for fifty if you want a Carrera three two mm-hmm. Carrera or nine eleven SC. But I would pick an Alpha GTV. That's uh, what I would yeah. go for at about fifty grams. Yeah, again, I know yeah, nice. it sounds like I'm into small coupes because I like small yeah, coupes. Like, they're going we know like Hans. We, know we, you can like say, Larry. we could say Alpha Spider if you want, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a car that you know. Yeah, they don't look much different at all than a GTA, which are two hundred fifty grand now or yeah. something, right? And uh, nice, it, and, and uh, nothing better than the head. On an Alpha, man. Just oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and they're so yeah. capable. People that haven't driven them, and uh, you could say the same thing about a 2002 and a 510, yeah. but uh, GTVs are incredibly capable. I've had a few cars just like that, and they're uh, they're wonderful things. Maybe but, a Cortina? Yeah, could be. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing, the, the one thing I always encourage people is go with what your heart tells you first. I mean, Absolutely. try, you know, if you're not an Alpha guy, and I am an Alpha guy, I don't, I don't want to, but, you know, if you're, if you're a Porsche guy, Gravitate toward what you love. If you like Japanese cars, go t- to that and and find something within. You know, don't be, uh, don't try to just follow the market. Follow your heart as well. So uh, yeah, but I we're not here for that. We're not. It's not, it's not the show. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Okay. Money. I'll, I'll, money. Put, my, I'll put my head out of here. We want, yeah. we investment. Investment Thank grade. You. Right. Is yeah. that what we're going for? <laughs> well, we don't need Doctor Ruth. We're trying to get some goddamn yeah. prices going yeah. here. Right. We can ask Doctor hey, Drew that question too. Right. Right. Be fine. Hey. Uh, all right. Hundred. Hundred grand. Hundred grand. What's that hundred thousand dollar mark? What do you guys like? I don't know. What do you think? Pick a tiny coupe, Larry. <laughs> Larry's done. Larry's, Larry's, Larry's done, done with the tiny coupe. I, 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 there's a lot of 550 Ferraris that haven't really moved that that yep. much in the yep. last few years that I think's a V12 front engine Ferrari. They look good. There are a lot of cars. I've seen uh, them in nice shape and low mileage, and yeah. they're just, they've, they've kind of flattened yeah. out, and I don't see why... 355, that 360s. Yeah. I, mean, that's, I think that's a real spot on, for, especially a 550. Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. It's Larry, a beautiful it's, it's a beautiful car. I see, there's a lot of them that are very low mile, mileage and pristine. If you could find a stick shift, uh, good. Or they probably all the 550s were probably mostly stick shift. They don't, and they went to the paddle. I think the, five, the, three, five, the five seven five, 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 seven, five. five. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, go find yourself a, a stick shift uh, five fifty Ferrari and uh, in in great shape. And also you can use it and look cool in and it and all gorgeous. that all that kind of stuff. The gated shifter and everything they and drive great. They're yeah. gorgeous and they've they've kind of they 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 went up a little and then they just kind of flattened in yeah. the last few years. I feel yeah. like that's yeah. a pretty good car. All right, Matt, hit uh, yeah. Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. You guys drop off some drive cleaning, maybe pick up some milk. Now you can add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. You don't have to drop off or pick up anything. Just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. Go to Geico.com. I'm going to put Hans on the spot because uh, we always talk, Matt and I, about BRE. I have four BRE cars all together. Two of them sort of work and two of them are a lot of pieces. <laughs> a lot of pieces. Uh, sort of work. We need Pete Brockhammer to put the pieces together. Show I us where they go. Put, I always work. put the caveat of sort of because yeah. I'm not – I'm I'm not never, never sure if I can just go drive them tomorrow but uh we do the, the raced uh i've raced both of them a bit the the 510 i've raced a lot actually in the the uh bre the, the uh the roadster we've raced at monterey and won yeah the won Rolex. the rolex cup where yeah, is the cup which doesn't come with a, a watch everyone says shut up <laughs> jesus christ oh you didn't get the watch they don't uh, give I don't you know. a watch i always heard i always heard it came with a watch, watch. Yeah. No watch. <laughs> I get it. I'm, I should be devastated for winning a, just a cup. But that's yeah. all they give you is a cup. I didn't even get the cup. I was I driving the home. Cup is. Yeah, I don't remember the Les, cup. Les called me. Maybe it's with the watch. And he's like, yeah. uh, no, the cup's <laughs> yeah, over. Les the- was looking at his wrist going, they didn't give you a watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, you did get a cup. Yeah, Les was like. He gave you a red solo cup and wrote Rolex winner on it. I was driving home from Monterey at like 530 maybe five o'clock on a Sunday, I just hit the road like after the race. And I told Les, like, I'll pack up the car and I'll see you back in LA. And then he called and he was like, Hey, you won the Rolex cup. Where are you? And I'm like, I'm, I'm having split pea soup in Buellton. (laughs) (laughs) But but get the cup. And if it has a watch, I want that watch. watch. He's like, no. "No, it doesn't have a watch. watch." We should have Googled it. He probably has a watch. How do you put a price on a BRE 510? How do you figure that one out? Yeah, come man. on, Larry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks for putting <laughs> thanks for putting me on the spot. Uh, I mean, you'd, you'd obviously have to comp it against uh, some things that came up. Actually, I, there was the sister car to your car in my old job before I worked for this guy. Um, I actually had to put a number on that, and don't press me because I don't remember what the numbers were. But there was a there was a lot of discussion. And uh, is that the one that Nissan owns? I don't even remember where it was from. It was publicly for sale ten years ago. Oh yeah, right? that would have it was you know it was hard. yours is the blue and it was the yeah and and uh, so you you really really have to rely pretty heavily on comps and obviously you could comp something like you know RX sevens that had good history or 
let's say, a, you know, a, trans, a Trans Am GTV, a John Norman car, a horse quet car or something like that. But there's not a lot of stuff, as you know, in that marketplace with anywhere near the significant – well, there, there is nothing as significant as the BRE 510s from that, from that classification. Uh, but there's not a lot of stuff out there that's, uh, that's traded publicly. And it's so you're at, a, you're at a bit of a disadvantage. So what I would say to you is that is you put it in an auction and we find out. <laughs> yeah. You know. we well, go. we don't want to put it. We want somebody else to put theirs in an auction. <laughs> then we can find out. We want to do that singer move right, where right, somebody right. else sells yeah. it. I don't know if anybody else has any road racing BREs. I know Nissan found their way to owning the John Morton yeah. 46 car, I guess it was. That you sold ten years ago, Nissan must have bought it from somebody, or Nissan bought it, or yeah, maybe that, that's when what, they ended up with it. Whatever, yeah. whatever it is, they have that car. I don't know the other BRE road racing cars from that era. Uh, there you, was you some, bought them all, so you're they're, they're, ruining all the comps and all the Newman cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I might, yeah. I, I might call you to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. you know, it's funny because we talk about the BRE stuff where that. That livery, that Pete Brock livery that he created is so iconic. It's just they probably got way more T-shirts and pictures and stuff of that than almost anything else out there, especially in the probably in the Japanese market. So I don't know. It's, it seems like you have to look at that kind of stuff as well. We've got posters. Well, there's and so many and, clones. Yeah, for just that anybody car, that does that a, a bring a trailer car, you know, the clone street version. It's like it's got the stripes and stuff on it. And, yeah, yeah. You know, because what else was there? That was the only real racing car, you know, 510 racing car that was that was successful and did, you know. Hey, I didn't you know. expect an answer. <laughs> I just can't figure it out. Um, Welcome I, to the challenge of our, yeah. uh, our career. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I know. But see, you're, you're, you've got an idea. I mean, you were, you were hitting it on the 550 Ferrari and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you just kind of have a sense of it. And, um, you know, we, we would look at other, the, other yeah, cars. The in, problem in the, in the is – category. The comps in that world, but if like the horse quack um, alpha would sell, mm. you'd you'd have an idea, or you'd have a base or some yeah. place to start from. I don't think I think BRE is probably more valuable than the horse quack, yeah. or this, but it's a really cool piece and a really from yeah, that no, era. Yeah, for sure it is. The yeah. uh, last uh, question for you. So we were looking at so we we started by talking about open wheel and. Now there's a market for open wheel uh, vintage. Um, formerly, not so much. Um, uh, stock cars. Mm-hmm. We were noticing that at Meekum, I think it was last weekend, uh, yeah. where they had one uh, Richard, Richard Petty's Petty. car and Superbird and whatever. And I think according to our app, it stalled out about 3.5 three, yeah, million five, bikes. No sale. No sale. Uh, who, who, how can you put a price on... How do we know what that price, what that car is worth? Uh, formerly seventies, early seventies, right. stock cars didn't, didn't sell for anything. What yeah. Richard Petty's great? That car is great. I don't know. Three point five feels pretty good to we, me. But we looked at it. We're like, we don't know. It's like we, we were looking at it, going, "Hey, is if somebody said two point seven, we would have been like, yeah, that's good.' Or if somebody yeah. said five or six, we would have been like, that's good too. We just didn't yeah. know. I totally agree. I mean, look, I. We, we we just don't have uh, we haven't we haven't had those sorts of cars in our sales, so we don't have a really good sense of that. But uh, that sounds like a lot of money to me. I, I like a like, tremendous amount of money. I, from what where you guys are sitting, I don't know if you know anybody affiliated with a car or anything. I'm not looking to hurt any feelings, but 
I feel like if I would have brought that car to you, you would have said, hey, if we get to 3.5, we're going to sell this thing. Like <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. And I said, no, yeah. I want six. And you'd probably have to talk me down because yeah. you'd like based on zero, the, the, the next highest one sold for $300,000. So like yeah. How, yeah. how did we get to – we're at yeah. three point five. I've never seen one go. I'm saying three hundred grand. I don't. I'm not. I'm not seeing a lot of those cars go over a hundred grand. Like it wasn't that long ago, years ago, where you know auctions like Meekum and and Barry Jackson that were moving a lot of the stock cars. They couldn't really even give them away. Right. right. There was just because you're right. There was no place to. What do you do with it? Like, right. Yeah. There right, was right. no. Right. There was no venue. There was no real vintage racing to do it. But now they're getting older. You can. But all the other cars over there, like the ones sort of in that lineup, bunching up against that car in the in. Were uh, you know the Sox and Martin drag race cars and some of the other cars and the, you know they were no reserve they sold I thought they sold well but they sold for half of the estimates right but I I thought those numbers were still good numbers yeah I yeah. feel like Meekum was a little pie in the sky with a, with some of or those the cars seller was a little <laughs> yeah, well whoever know, but I know, yeah whoever won that I, argument I was, Meekum's trying to talk him down he's talking Meekum up I and was, I think yeah Meekum I was, lost the argument <laughs> before the auction uh, <laughs> well again the market shall be you know reality yeah. on reality's terms as dr drew would say <laughs> um before the sale i was like i don't know that funny cars or of that era or stock cars of that era are going for millions of dollars i've never right. seen any history of yeah. this and i think yeah i think you've pinpointed literally in our world probably the most difficult cars to value period and and stock <laughs> cars in particular are just and i don't want to say it's horrifying but can you think of a race series, you know, where that was less, the more abusive on the cars? Number one, can you think of a race series where the cars were potentially not, you know, well chronicled from like a chassis number to where they were right. at yeah. what race? I don't know that all the team owners have great logbooks, and I don't know that you're going to take, you know, and look at Dale. How hard is it to fake a stock car? It's, yeah, it's not hard. You could yeah. come up with a Dale Earnhardt from certain eras, car. definitely. Yeah, you yeah. find yeah. out, yeah. especially early on, exactly. And so those those but cars that one was are in really the Pixar really movie, difficult. So, yeah. oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I, I, I had heard that that was a very very good car. That that seems like it looks a big, gorgeous. It looks badass. It's, it's super great cool. Story. Three yeah. five seems like uh, all a, the money in the world. All, 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 all right? the money plus yeah. You know, I mean, what I would look at, and it's different, but I'd look at Trans Am cars from the period. You know, and you. That great Trans Am cars from yeah. that period don't bring anywhere near that value. Right. And, yeah. you know, some would argue uh, – I know a lot of people would perhaps want to rather have a, a Trans Am car over, mm-hmm. over a stock car. So All right. Um, uh, yeah, you're talking about chronicling and, and keeping all the log books and stuff. Turns out guys who answer to the name Humpy don't always keep all the best stats. <laughs> <laughs> they're good turning a wrench, but they're not yeah. good at writing stuff down. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mean to stereotype, obviously, but yeah. yeah. Uh. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. So we'll see you guys at the auction because uh, we're going to be out there. Um, we'll be Pebble Beach, one of our we uh, we like the track, but we also like uh, cracking a IPA and walking around and looking at looking at the cars in person at we, the auction. We go where there's free cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll have to get some. We have free cheese. cheese. We have popcorn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pebble Beach. Uh, the auction's coming up uh, Friday and Saturday, August sixteenth and seventeenth. It's at the Equestrian Center, so it's uh, uh, it's above. Pebble Beach, where they do the concourse down mm-hmm. at the down. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful park. Walk around wooded, rolling hills, golf course. Uh, 
Bats, folks. Occasionally angry person with a flashlight. I'm up, idiot. I can't move yeah. it. Other than that, uh, it's all good. Website, goodingco.com. Goodingco.com. Am I missing anything, David? The, the, the one thing I would add is uh, that some people don't realize is we webcast the whole auction live. So if you can't be there in person, you can watch the whole oh. thing live on our website. And yeah. uh, we have clients that just love it. Actually, we have some clients that come to our viewing. They look at the cars and then they go back to their hotel room webcast and bid on the phone so uh, it's it's great i uh we we love watching it that way too we but, got trapped uh, in an airbnb once because we didn't want to leave because it was on and we wanted to go to the event but yeah. we knew somewhere in between there'd be a car that we wanted <laughs> right, to see right, so right yeah <laughs> yeah it's fun and it's fun to watch and it's fun to watch super high-end stuff versus like farming equipment and stuff like that <laughs> to see a little more on some of these shows today all right go to adamcarolla.com and find out about all the live shows and check out shift and steer as well that's uh matt's pod and you can support the show go to carcastshow.com and check us out on facebook and follow matt at uh, moderator and until next time it's adam Kroll for david gooding and hans Whirl. Uh, a.k.a. Larry Carlson <laughs> and Matt the moderator DeAndrea saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel for the latest updates and call in times follow the show on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at CarCast Show if you'd like to write in fill out the form on CarCastShow.com and don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com.